Good morning, everybody. Did somebody leave the refrigerator door open? I mean, it's a little chilly in here. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm Tim, and it's good to be together this morning. Uh, we're in a year, this year of 2024, 2024, wow. We're, we're looking at uh, this idea of servanthood. We're wanting to not every week talk about this, but we want to have that kind of as an undertow of, uh, of emphasis as we look at uh, our year and our plans this year. And so we're, we're calling everybody to live a life of service. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. And, and we're asking God as a church, would you give us the heart of a servant, each of us, a heart of a servant? Now, last week, we looked at the heart of a servant, the Lord Jesus, in John 13, 1 through, uh, I believe, uh, 17. Yeah, we read about what happened when he started washing feet. The story goes, they're all in the upper room. They're eating the Passover meal. They're talking about uh, all kinds of things. Then Jesus makes a statement, something about somebody's going to betray me. And then they begin to have a discussion like, well, well, who's that going to be? And it turns into this discussion of, well, who's the best guy in the room? And as all this is going on, Jesus gets up, goes and gets a towel and gets some water, starts washing her feet. And everybody's kind of like, what is going on? And next thing you know, Peter starts saying, you're not washing my feet. And then they get into, after a little argument, he ends up washing his feet. And then he sits down and he just says, listen, you just saw something here. I left an example here. You call me master. You call me teacher. And you're, you're right about that. But look what your master and your teacher is doing. Look what the leader in the room is doing. He's washing your feet. I want you to do the same thing. I want you to, to, to treat each other the same way. And, and it's a life of service is what he's calling them to. He's hours away from the cross. And he's emphasizing service because that's really what life is about it's, when it comes to following Christ. It's about serving him. Look what he says. He, he wraps it up. And, and, and if you've got your notes or up here on the screen, you can look. Look what he says here. Because now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. You know, when Jesus did what he did in that room, a lot of things happened. And when I serve, when I serve the Lord and I'm willing to pick up my towel, a lot of things happen as well in any room that I'm in. Well, like what, Tim? What are you talking about? Well, he promises this this blessed life. He's saying good things will happen when you serve. Well, what kind of things? Well, I want to look at five of them. And I wasn't going to do next week, but I'm go I've decided we're going to look at four or five more because there's just way too many things here in this this little chapter of John 13. Well, what happens when I start serving? Well, number one, God is pleased. I please God when I serve him. You know, Jesus was known. In fact, it was said from heaven that a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. He even said, I've come here to do what the father wants, to please my father. And so when I serve, we, we as well please the Lord. David would say this in, in Psalms 31. He'd say, smile on your servant. He'd say, oh God, please smile on me. I think one translation says, may your face shine upon me. I think of a beaming face of a parent whenever they see their kid on stage 
or on the, on the baseball field or soccer field. Yesterday, I'm watching my, one of my granddaughters playing basketball. And I'm watching all these girls. And whenever something good happened, they'd immediately start looking. Not at the coach. They're looking for mom and dad. And they're wanting to see what mom and dad are doing. And you look over at mom and dad, they're going. They're just beaming. I went to a Christmas concert. And some of my grandkids were in that one. And what are they doing? They're looking. They're trying to. And they see. And I look over. Who are they looking at? They're looking at mom. And Brian's over there going like this. Just got the eyes going. She's so happy to see her kids on stage. And, and the kids, they know something from mom's face. They know something from dad's face and grandma and papa and Gigi and peepaw. That's what they call me. They know when they see our faces and they see this smile. What do they, what, what do they know? You're pleased with what I'm doing. You're proud of me. You're smiling at me. That's good. That's a blessing to have the Lord smile on your face. What pleases God? What makes God's face beam? You know, Micah tries to answer that question. And the old prophet in the Old Testament, look what it says here in Micah 6. Should we offer thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Would that please the Lord? You'd think it would, wouldn't it? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for the sins of our souls? Would that make him glad? There's a lot of sacrifices in the Bible. Lots of sacrifices. And the Bible talks about how some of them produce this sweet smelling aroma to the nostrils of God that would please him. And there's lots of those. And, and Micah's saying, is this what pleases God? All these sacrifices? I, no doubt, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do in some way. And maybe sometimes we'll even say, what pleases God? Well, moral purity. If I, if I don't lie, if I keep a pure mind, watch what I, TV, watch my mouth. Maybe it's avoiding a vice. Well, I just, I'm not, I don't want to, get involved in that habit or that stronghold, and we think, well, that would please God, right? Absolutely, I'm sure it would. Or maybe even the worship service. I listen, sometimes we pray, somebody say, you know, God, help us please you today. Hope the songs and the preaching and everything we do here will please you. And those are those are not bad uh, attempts or, or gestures or things that you'd think, well, that would put a smile on God's face, right? Absolutely. But look what Micah says as he, as he finishes this little idea. He answers the question in the next verse. The Lord has told you, human, what is good. He has told you what he wants from you. This is what pleases him. To do what is right to other people. Love being kind to others. And live humbly, obeying your God. What's he saying What pleases him more? Maybe more than, than sacrifices. A life of mercy and kindness toward others, service, helping others. That's what pleases God. It pleases Him just as much as any sacrifice. In fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who knew the Old Testament, he was a Jew that became a Christian, he understands the Old Testament. He understands all the sacrifices. Look how he, look at the sacrifice. He puts that word sacrifice in this, this, this little comment. In Romans 12:1, my Christian friends, he says, God has been very kind to us because of that. I really want you to serve God with your whole life. Offer your bodies to him like a sacrifice that continues to live. Serve him with everything that you have, and that will please him. When I serve the Lord and I serve others, it pleases God. That's the thing I can count on when I pick up the towel. 
You want to make God smile? Just start serving in the room you're in. Do something in that room to start serving, and God is pleased. Number two, I model for everyone what God wants. Whenever I pick up the towel, when I'm willing to serve, when I start serving in the room I'm in, I make it clear to everybody else in the room what matters, what God wants. John 13, 15, Jesus said this. He said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He says, I, I've just shown you what matters. I'm, I've just shown you what's important, and I want you to do that. You know, I thought about this. Jesus knows what's ahead. When you read John 13, it says he knows about what's, what's, what's about to happen. He knows about the cross. He knows about the tomb. He knows about the resurrection. He also knows that why he's here, that God has sent him, and he's going back to God. He's going back to his Father. And because he doesn't have a lot of time, he wants to make something really clear. He wants to make sure everybody in the room understands this is really the secret to life, the secret to a best life. So what's he do? With his towel, he defines, this is what I want. This is what's important. Not position, not possession, people. People. It's, I, I read some, well, somebody said it like this. Jesus was a celebrity, but he was more focused on being a servant than a celebrity. Oh, that's, that's powerful. I don't think you'd see Jesus taking a selfie of himself feeding the 5,000 and putting it on Facebook. Look what I'm doing. Following me now? He's not into that. No, he's, he just wants to serve. And, he, and he basically, he's basically saying to us this morning here, the best life, he's modeling for us, the best life, Tim, is a life, it's not about getting, it's about giving to others. And so every time you pick up the towel, church, listen, every time we pick up the towel, we set the exact same example for everybody else in the room. Whenever you serve, whenever you do something like that, whether it's in the workroom or the classroom or in this room, when you start serving, it makes a big difference. And you're telling everybody, hey, this, is, this matters. You see, the servant in the room defines what God wants. The servant in the room, God depends on them to define what really matters. Now, this is especially true in the living room. It's especially true in the living room. I, let's be honest, parents. We worry about what our kids are going to pick up in the classroom, in the locker room. Huh? Where'd you learn that? Can I tell you, the living room, what are they picking up in that living room, in your home? You see, they're going to get you. They, they, the people are going to notice and people are going to see a physical resemblance. But there's more than they're going to know. They'll notice just the way your eyes or your nose is shaped or your body is shaped. There's other things that, that we pick up from our family that the rest of our family picks up from us and are things like traits and values and habits. And see, my family learns... Sydney was telling us when she went to a seminar, and this is something that, that, quite frankly, scares me, but it's challenging. 
our children learn, they're learning, they're getting bombarded with this message about certain worldly things. They're just getting bombarded over and over and over again. I don't know if you know this or not, but you know that when a child's, uh, she was mentioning this to us, and I thought it was very good. It was the idea of, at a young age, our children will process whatever they hear in the future on the truth that they have as a child, what's been established. And how is that established? By repetition. And what do you think about what our cultures, what, what, what are things that our culture is teaching our children right now? Not only in the classroom, but in, in music and in the, whole, the whole gamut, the friendships, everything. There's all these quirky, confusing, very confusing and challenging concepts that, that really distort the real truth of who we are. You know, I'm really excited about church camp this year. Very excited about church camp this year because the, the theme this year is called true identity. And we're looking at not how people define me. See, I'm not who people think I am and I'm not who I even think I am. I am who God says I am. And we're really wanting to get that, really, really help our young people. But even the rest of us, we need to remember that, that uh, we have a stake in this. We have to somehow repeat ourselves to offset what is being heard through media and school. And they're get, and school, they're getting bombarded. And where do they hear this? Well, they, I want them to hear it in this room. I want, to hear, I want them to hear it in the great room and all the classrooms when the kids are together. Absolutely. But the living room. Oh, the living room. There's, there's where it really happens. And see, oh, how do I say this? If, if when, my, when my family sees the same person in the living room as they see in this room, they don't, they're not confused. I've asked my sons, I said, you know, what's the, what's, what's the deal of our house? What do you notice? Because, well, Dad, you're the same goofy guy you were at church as you were at home. You're the same person. Whew, really? You know, because I, 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 I want you to know, I don't want to be a poser. I don't want, and you don't either. I know that. But our kids are looking and they see how we talk and how we act and how we participate in this room. And they see what matters to us in this room. They see what's valuable to us in this room. But do they see something else in our living room? Do we talk differently? Do we decide differently? Because the same life in this room as in the living room, church, all you do is you reinforce, you reinforce those godly principles that just benefit your home. I love this. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4. And I know it's a play on words, but he's talking to his children in the faith. And look what he says. I do not write these things to shame you. I'm doing this to help you know what you should do. You are my much loved children. And then he says this like a, like a spiritual parent. He says, so I ask you with all my heart to follow the way I live. And, I, and church, listen, you know, I, I ask myself, can my son still... Can they say that? Can I say that to my kids, to my grandkids? Follow the way I live. It's a challenge. 
They're going to anyway. They really are. They're going to pick up your values and your traits and what matters. And when every time you pick up the towel, every time you serve, it says big time to everybody else in your home. This is what matters. Number three, I silence the foolish talk of others. When I pick up the towel, it shuts people's mouths. Don and I were talking, he goes, well, the critics are always going to talk. And he's right. Some people are going to yapper anyway, even when you're serving. But I just noticed this about Jesus when he's in this upper room. He's with all these guys, you know, and there's a big buzz. And, you know, there's arguing and disputing going on. And even like Peter says one time, you're not going to wash my feet. A lot of stupid things are being said around the table. You know what I'm saying? A lot of stupid stuff. And what's he do? He's like, uh, doesn't say a thing. Puts on the towel, starts washing feet. And it gets real quiet in the room. Peter breaks the silence. But it's quiet in that room. Why is that? What, what's so, why is that so powerful? Why is service so powerful? Well, see, my service speaks louder than my statements. Service always speaks louder than a statement. I think about it. Look at this in First Peter 2. He says here, So when you do good, you stop foolish people from saying stupid things about you. And this is what God wants. And that's what happens. Why? Why is that? Well, there, again, when you, every time you pick up your towel, you're putting your faith into action. You're making an attempt to live out what you believe. And people can explain away sometimes what you believe, can't they? That you might have a nice statement or an argument or a thought and you go, here's a great example to go, oh, yeah, but there's this and this and this and they explain it away. But when you pick up your towel and you start serving, they're going, I don't know what to say. How many times that happened? You've helped somebody, you fixed something, you take them for a ride, you go the extra mile and they go, I don't even know what to say. Why? Because service silences it silences people, the critic. I mean, each time you do that, you're, you're, each time you pick up the towel, each time you serve in some way, it just, it's, it's putting your faith into action. Next week, I'm, I'm going to be looking at... Um, this, a lot of people don't have a problem with Jesus. Have you noticed that? They have a problem with us. Have you noticed that? Why? This may be the problem. They, see, they don't see what Jesus says matching what his servants do. And when I can bridge that gap, when I can narrow that better, I know we're not perfect. Listen, man, we make mistakes. But if I could just get better and better at this serving and I start putting my faith in action, it does something to everybody else around me. In fact, serving can change the way people talk altogether. Look at this here. And again, Peter, who was in that room, says this. He goes, live good lives among the people who do not believe. They may talk about you as if you're doing, you're, you, uh, as if you do wrong things. But when they see the good things you do, they will praise God on the day that he comes to help you. See, that's how powerful serving is. It can even change a person's mind. 
What are you doing that for? That don't make any sense. I wouldn't do that. You're not saving that money. You're going to give some of that away. You're going to, well, you could do, I would do this with your time and you're going to do what? That just don't make, I don't think that's a good idea. That's wrong. You know what? Now I see what you're doing. Now I'm getting it. Wow. And they begin to turn to the Lord because someone picked up the towel. That's what happened in that room. See, Jesus, when he picked up the, when he picked up his towel, he turned the attention away from themselves and turned it where it belonged, toward heaven and what God wanted. Here's a number four. When I pick up the towel, when I, when I start serving, anytime I start serving, God makes a powerful difference. He uses my service. He uses your service to do his work. Look at this passage again in John 13. Jesus knew, look what he knew, that the Father had put all things under his power. You know, when Jesus said, I've got all authority, he had that before the resurrection. He already had power over death. He says, all authority has been given to me. He says, I know all things are under my, under my power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. He understood who he was, what he was here for, and where he was going. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Here's what I noticed about this. Jesus knew that the biggest event that was ever going to take place on this planet was just hours away. He knew. He knew that the cross, what happens on the cross, and what happens in that tomb was going to change everything. Going to change everyone. Yet, when he has an opportunity to serve, you think, well, the cross, the tomb, those are the biggies. He does something that's a little different here. He, 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 is, he is serving, not in, in such a public way, but in more of a private way. Have you noticed that? It's not an obvious thing like the cross or the tomb. It's more obscure. And, it's, and he uses this. He says, you're going to understand later what this is about. Well, the cross and the tomb, we need to understand, right? I mean, I, would, I think that's, that's the bedrock of Christianity, what happened on the cross and what happened in the tomb. Says, but there's something else you need to know, too. It's just as important, and that's the life of serving. And, he, and it's in the context of a private room in a, a small context, a little thing, that he does that's very powerful. In fact, I believe it's just as powerful as what he does on the cross or at the tomb. You know, Jesus was always encouraging his disciples to not be so public. Look at this passage here. So when you give to the poor, don't let anyone know what you're doing. Your giving should be done in private. I think a modern translation says, hey, when you give to the poor, don't put it on Facebook. Don't text everybody. It says, your father can see what is done in private and he'll reward you. And I started thinking, is that true? Jesus encourages that. And then I got to seeing and thinking about, are there any obscure moments that God, that Jesus did something powerful, but he depended on somebody nameless and obscure to help him do it the very first miracle think about it what would have happened 
he, if he'd have said, he says to nameless servants, I want you to fill those jars. What would have happened if they said no? They fill them up. We don't even know their names. And yet it's his first miracle. God worked powerfully through this, these unnamed servants just filling up jars of, with water. You've got a kid. He's a boy. We don't even know his name. And he's got his lunch with him. He's got some fish and some bread. And Jesus takes those and feeds 5,000 people. What if he'd have kept it to himself? What would have happened? He'd have got somebody else. Why do you think that? Why would you think that? See, Jesus depends on his servants to help him do something powerful. Even the little things. There's a face in the crowd. They're just watching the parade as Jesus is carrying his cross. He stumbles and a Roman soldier grabs his name Simon from Cyrene. That's the only time we say, get out here and carry the cross. And he carries the cross for Jesus Christ. He's just carrying something. But look how powerful the impact. Look what God can do when someone just carries something. Then you got this guy named Joe. He's a rich guy. I don't know if anybody's watched Nacho Libre. He has dead guy duty. He says, I want the body of Jesus. Are you mortician? No. You want a dead body? Well, you're done with it, aren't you? What can you do with a dead body? Can I take care of it? And he, and he, with some other people, prepared the body of Jesus for burial. Now, what would have happened if that hadn't happened? Well, he'd have got somebody else. You know why we, if you're thinking some of that, I've thought that too. You know why I think like that? I'll tell you why I think like that. Because I want somebody else to do the serving. And he's saying, no, Tim, you're the regular Joe. I want you got dead guy duty this time. Or I just want you to do this. You don't have to do everything. You know, it's exciting. I'm sitting in the back and we're watching everybody. And it's a good crowd today. It's glad you're all here. And have a, a woman becomes a Christian. It's just it's exciting. It's exciting. I lean over and I go, and I haven't done anything. I It's exciting. The pressure's off. You know, I didn't have to do anything. I feel like sometimes I got to do everything. You know, it's not true. It's not true. We all do something and God can work. And, it, and if it's something small, if it's something obscure, it doesn't matter. And I see this all the time. I see it here on Sundays. Somebody comes a couple hours early and starts making the coffee. I'm watching people, I'm watching Sarah mop floors. I go, you, you have to be in the Navy. You're swabbing the deck. I've had lots of practice. If you know, she had some water lines busting in her house. She had lots of practice this week. I'm watching Mike Kiffmeyer at Mark's Memorial walk up to Don and go, I got something for you. And it's like six or seven chocolate chip cookies. What are you doing? It's his friend. It's one of his best friends. And he gives him cookies. And Don doesn't go, what are you doing? This is out of place. He goes, I want to put those in the truck now. Somebody will take them and eat them. He's, he's, he's protective of these things. 
They're cookies. No, it's service. Didn't make Facebook. Is it Facebook worthy? It doesn't matter. I watch, I watch Don, his love tank get filled during a time when he's lost his son. Somebody just, a simple thing. I watch that all the time. I, I, people fold bulletins. Who folds these things? Well, it's got a machine. Well, who runs the machine? Who's, there's just all this stuff going on all the time. And they're behind the scenes. Somebody's pushing buttons. Somebody's cleaning bathrooms. Floyd brings fruit. Somebody sets up chairs. And I'm just saying to you is that you say, well, these, these don't, they can't matter at all. They're like filling up a jar. For the Lord. I call these the cup of cold water moments where someone's just doing something simple and they're not, we, we don't need to underrate them. They're very important, they're essential. I don't have to be doing something huge. I've, I've been watching this, um, uh, I've been watching this uh, series called The Power of Film. It's by, um, um, Let's see. I can't remember the fellow's name. He's he's a he's a professor. Uh, Howard Suber is a professor at UCLA that is doing a documentary. It's a brand new documentary. I'm in the third episode of six, and he talks about the power of film. And he says he says I'm not going to talk about how films are made as much as why do we go to them. Why do we keep, why are certain movies we like to watch over and over again? I love watching Shawshank Redemption or Jaws. If Jaws is on, I don't care if it's in the middle of that Kittner kid. I'm, I'm watching the rest of it. You know, it's, it's just, there's certain movies that just capture my attention. And, it, and some of the blockbusters that have made the most money have not been the most memorable. He shows Transformers, though it's made over a billion dollars. Most people, you know, they're like, okay, but they don't remember really a lot, of, a line or something. Who can forget? Who could need a bigger boat? Nobody, everybody talks that way when they're over. Well, I need a bigger boat. You know, hope is a power, is a dangerous thing. You know, we, we have all these quotes. We got, if you're around me, you're going to get a quote sometime. But then he says that they all have this something in common. He goes back 2,500 years. He says they all have something in common. And he starts, he's in, he's in the pattern business. He goes, I see all these patterns. And one of them he mentions is hero. What makes a hero? And they show a little clip from Gladiator and there's thousands. Or they, they show a clip, maybe, you know, another clip from some other movie where Gandhi and there's thousands and millions of people. They've, they've just changed lives, you know, and all this stuff. And he says, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean a hero. And he gives an example of Ann Sullivan and Helen Keller. Where Ann Sullivan, if you read about Ann Sullivan, she's practically blind when she's teaching Helen Keller, who's blind and deaf and is a mess. If you've ever seen the movie Miracle Worker, they really capture that. And, and her, Ann, Ann and Helen are, the, are close friends for the rest of their lives. But it's, what's interesting is he says, here's an example of one person just touching one person. Just one person. 
and how powerful it really is. And it's a person who's willing to serve, who's willing to go through, to go without, to say no to themselves. And I just want you to know, when you pick up the towel, when you serve this week, I want you to know you're, you're, you're unleashing the power of God in that room. Pick it up. Go for it. See what happens. Here's number five. God spreads his message. He spreads his good news. What happens when I start serving wherever I am? It has a message. There's a message behind the service. Again, Jesus says this. He says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Then I notice this. He says, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. What do you, what do you mean? Well, he, what he's simply saying, Tim, is, is that I'm not calling you guys to do something I'm not willing to do. And that's true. But why does he use the word servant and messenger? That's what I thought was interesting. He could have used other things. He says a servant and a messenger, they go together. That ministry sends a message. And what what does service say to people? Well, it sends a message, all right. And every time I pick up the towel, see, I open a door. To share the gospel. Or through a series of, of moments of serving. A person will let their guard down. And begin to trust you. With what you're going to say. It has that effect on others. Like uh, well, how Paul says it. He understood that, that. He saw the connection between. Giving your life and sharing your life. And sharing a message. He says here we love you very much. So we wanted to tell you God's good news. We wanted to share our lives with you too. See, that's happened to me. You think about it. It's happened to you too. Somebody shared their life, shared, served you in some way, and it had an impact. I've had, I've had young men and young women when I wasn't a Christian, they would either come see me. I lived 30 miles away from the church building. They come out to my house to see me. What's that all about? Or when, I, when I'm around them, if I, go, if I visit their church, they're... they're, they're they're, they're wanting to help me. They're kind to me. They don't know what I've been up to. They don't know my political views. They, don't, they really don't care. I'm made in the image of God. And so they serve. And what's it do? It's, it just opens my heart to what they have to say. Years ago... You know, some of you know about me and Vernon Matthews. We were very close friends. We met late in life. And we went on a crazy trip one time. We went on, we went on several. And one of them, we, the very first one, we go out to Colorado. And we're, I don't know where we're going. I'm just doing what he says, drive where he says. And we get to the end of, we're coming back. It's September. And we're coming back and we're, we're at a state park outside of Kansas City, Missouri. And we got a fire going. I'll never forget, he's sitting across the fire and he's sitting in his chair and his glasses are on and the fire is, you can see the reflection of the fire in his glasses. I thought that was crazy. I kept looking over like, man, it's scary. And then he starts putting his hands together like this. That means he's thinking, he's about to say something. I'm going, he goes, Tim? I go, yeah, Vernon, what? Why did you go on this trip with me? We were gone 10 days. 
I go, I wanted to. I like you, Vernon. I love you. Hmm. Well, let me tell you my plan was. We were going we to go to Hungry Horse, Montana, and you were going to baptize me in the Spotted Bear River. What? Well, let's go. Let's go get a plane. We'll fly out there. We'll drive out there, and I'll baptize you. Because oh, we can't do that now. Why? There's like 14 inches of snow in Montana. So what do we do? Well, when we get back, could could you baptize me in my pond? That's my second favorite place. Sure. I didn't even realize we had spent hours doing all kinds of things together. I listened. Believe it or not, I actually listened a lot. I learned a lot from this man. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is, is that isn't that how it works? People serve and it just breaks down the defenses. Why are you doing this? Well, I'm doing this so I can teach you and baptize you so I can walk around and strut my stuff. No, I just like you. I wanted to go along. I'm glad I said that. That's what I was thinking. I guess I could have answered in so many different ways. But that's the power of service sometimes. It just it touch it still touches us as believers when we help each other. It brings the defenses down a little bit. It dials down the judgmental attitude a bit. And we can find the love of God. And it opens doors to what God has to say and wants to do in our lives. I'm going to close with this passage. This is in Revelation 3, 7 through 8, and it's in the easy translation. Why would you pick the easy translation? Isn't it obvious? (laughs) So let's write this to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. This is my message to you. I am the one who is completely good and the true God. I have King David's key in my hand. When I open a door, nobody can shut it. And when I shut a door, nobody can open it. I know everything that you do. Look, I've opened a door that is in front of you. Nobody can shut that door. I know that you're not very strong, but you've obeyed what I've told you to do. You have continued to believe in me. Here's a church in Philadelphia. They're not a mega church. Notice he says... You're not very strong. By the way, Philadelphia was, was uh, that's, that's town, that city was built by the Greeks, like in 145 B.C., somewhere back then. And the, they built this city, and it was on a major earthquake fault. And so the, the historians have said that they had tremors on a daily basis. So they were constantly fixing stuff, having to repair stuff. And so this church has got, you know, let's start a church where the building is going to fall apart. Anyway, I thought that was funny. So so they they start a church and and it's going really well. But um, what's interesting is, is about this church is he says to them, to this church, I I want you to know I'm going to open a door for you. I know everything you do, he says to this church. Jesus says, I know what you do. It's one of the few churches he's complimentary to, by the way. He says, I, I know what you do. 
what, what, what do you say? I'm opening a door for you. And these doors are only opened by servanthood. Well, what's the door? Some people believe, well, it's Jesus is saying he's referring to himself. I'm the open door, so I'm the door. And so he's opening the door. You can be closer to me. I'm not sure that's what it is. Because when you, when you find out about Philadelphia, the purpose of that city, when it, was, when it was built by Greece, wasn't for military purposes. It didn't have a garrison there. It didn't have an army there. They built that city for the, for the intent of spreading their ideas. They were, they were wanting to spread the Greek culture, their ideas. You see what's, where this is going? So this is significant here. He's saying to this church in Philadelphia, who's used to this idea, we're here to spread something. He says, I've, I've, given, I've opened a door for you. Nobody can shut. And what's that door? To spread the word. To spread the gospel. I'm not sure exactly, again, I've said, I'll say this again. I'm not sure exactly what he means by this idea of you're doing what I've told you. But I know he told those guys in John 13 to do as I have done. So I know service has got to be in there somewhere. God knows what Greater Alton has done. He knows all about us. He knows everything. He knows more than any leader here, any member here, what we've really done. He knows what you've done. Now, I'm not saying that to alarm anyone. I'm saying he knows the service when you've picked up the towel. He hasn't forgot that. No. Even even stuff that's hidden and obscure, he makes public in some way by the results, by people coming to Christ. You and I are here because somebody served the Lord. Simple as that. And he knows this church. He knows we're not very strong. He knows we, we're kind of shaky at times. Even though we've got this dome that's supposed to be earthquake proof. I always tell somebody, because, well, if I go to church, you know, the roof will fall in. No, it won't. Not this one. It's concrete, rebar certified. <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. And then I see the cracks outside and go, well, maybe. I want to help. Who caused those? <laughs> No, I just think God knows everything we're doing. And I want, to, I want to say to you, if you and I, if we will just pick up the towel wherever we are, God's going to open more doors. He's already been doing it. Have you noticed that? It's kind of cool to watch. Well, he's got more doors to open. And it begins when his servants just simply pick up the towel. You've got a... a card in your bulletin there if you'd like to respond to this lesson with a prayer request or a comment or a decision um, I'm going to give you we're going to give you time to do that and then we're going to uh, we'll wrap up our services and you can drop those cards off in those baskets back there uh, if you're if you're thinking well, when do you guys give around here well if you're a guest we're not expecting you to give anything okay but if you want, you can. You can just drop them in those baskets as well, along with all the rest of the members that, that contribute today. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this uh, interesting, thought-provoking lesson about what happens when any of us pick up the towel. Father, we want to please you. We pray you'll smile on us this week, that you'll be pleased with our service. Father, we know that, that um, we, set, we set the example in the room. And Father, we pray that our lives, whether it's in the workroom, the classroom, or in the living room, that Father, will be disciples that will reinforce by imitating what you want, by following your son's example, that will, that will reinforce the values that he wants. Father, we pray that as we serve, that you'll change the dialogue in the rooms that we serve in. That someone someday will praise you because we picked up our towel. Father, there's, there's no act of service that is less. All of them, all the acts of service that were done this week and that we do or done last week and that we do this week are all the same size. We just pray, Father, you'll use them to work powerfully through them. Let us be willing to do the obscure so you can do something powerful. And Father, we pray that we can open doors so someone can see you better, hear you more clearly, and respond to your wonderful news. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you.